Hola, podlings. Welcome to Dark Arts and Crafts. I'm your host, Chris. And Bex. And today we're going to talk about kind of sort of being buried alive. <laughs> that, that was the initial theme. I think we both went a little uh, askew on our research. But that's I, kind of what we did. Yeah, because I found something more interesting than being buried alive. Me too. I tried to find like some interesting buried alive stories, but they were all really sad. I did find one where the person survived and kind of like made it their job or made a living off of the fact that they were buried alive. Is that the dude with the motorcycle? Yes. Yeah. So we found the same story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. there are really not that many that aren't just horribly no, which, tragic. And it's very odd that this is such a prevalent fear, but the odds of being buried alive are tiny. Well, my thought was, or is it the odds of being discovered that you were buried alive is tiny? Oh, yeah, fair enough. Um, <laughs> so I started by looking up things that are related to being buried alive. And yes, uh, as a one off at the end, I was like, this has nothing to do <laughs> with a main theme per se. Uh, so then I ended up printing off a bunch of random bull turkey to help bolster this if it doesn't go very long. <laughs> um, awesome. Yeah, so I don't know. Did I start last time or did you start last time? I honestly couldn't tell you. Does it matter? No, go for it. Let's see what tangent you went on. Okay, well, for giggles, the very first thing I looked up was how long can you live being buried alive? Okay. Uh, and the consensus seems to be, depending on if you don't hyperventilate, like ideal conditions, you can live to be, like, not live to be, it's like you're not going to, mm -hmm. I'm going to have an entire lifespan in my buried state. No, um, <laughs> the, the consensus is that you can live up to five hours, which then got me thinking, like, five hours is a, not long. It's not long, but it is a decent amount of time when you think of it from the next angle that I thought of, which is if you murdered somebody or thought you had murdered somebody and you need to quickly bury them, how long does it take to bury somebody? So I, I looked that up and a, a uh, what I'll call a novice digger. I read an article to do with a, a grave digger, like his job. And he basically said when he first started out and he had to hand dig a grave, it would take him up to 10 hours. It would take him longer in the winter. And a grave being like human size between six to eight feet in depth and, you know, six to eight feet across. That changes depending on if you're going to use a backhoe or if you're going to use any motorized utensil, machines, things like that. And then also if you have help, typically grave diggers work in pairs. Um, so you usually can dig up a spot in anywhere from one to three hours. And it seems like the, the average consensus is that it takes... 4.24 hours to dig up 1.23 cubic yards. Yeah, so basically a shallow grave of one to four feet deep and three feet wide would take a novice person one to four hours. So honestly, a person who could potentially be buried alive by a would-be killer <laughs> will wake up before they get buried. Before. Yeah, yeah. So there's a possibility that if that ever happens to somebody, you, you can wake up and take a moment and figure out when a good opportunity to run away is. <laughs> Wait. Okay. All right. All right. So another fun thing I looked up is 
final resting places are not really final resting places for the majority of people. Uh, Fun fact, there have been roughly 108 billion people that have lived and died on this planet. That's a lot. Yeah, so they got to go somewhere. But it's interesting because a lot of people are under the misconception that when you buy a plot, that that's yours forever and that's where you shall forever be laid to rest. And that is not the case. When you are purchasing a plot, you're basically purchasing a service agreement or a a lease of a space of land where you can be buried and there's a certain amount of upkeep there's fees regarded to that and that usually the agreement is for 100 years of internment after that 100 years if your family doesn't continue to pay for the upkeep uh, they can basically do what is politely called nowadays recycling a cemetery right it does that go back to our moving cemeteries does back to poltergeist yeah awesome yeah so we've come full circle on that and like there's perfect examples of in history what people had done in the past so like paris catacombs um you obviously didn't rent yourself a plot but you would have a space and people would just pile corpses on top of each other because that was easiest Yeah, yeah so it's only really modern sensibilities where you have a plot per person and upkeep it and even more modern sensibilities now is like land is at a premium and having a gravesite for one dead person is not economical. No. So there's a lot of graveyards now. Like there's a graveyard over in Victoria that I can think of that's similar where they have activities in the graveyard and they encourage people to go for picnics there or for walks or do outdoor activities in the graveyard. Seance? No. Um, sorry. <laughs> I don't, don't think that's activity? what they're going for. It, it could be. Yeah. 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 It's, it's interesting. Those things that I found. Um, but yeah. So you're basically when you purchase a plot, you're not the purchasing land right ownership you are purchasing an agreement that said hey i'm gonna dig up a hole and put a body in here and i might put a headstone there and you can take care of it for 100 years wow imagine how guilty you feel like if you received a notice sort of like so this relative that you have never met that wasn't alive in your lifetime like would you continue to pay for that yeah it's um yeah (laughs) yeah I, I wouldn't. But yeah, no, I can I can I can see like feeling low levels of guilt or obligation. I don't know. Yeah. Also there's the sale tactics of oh, yeah. uh, funeral homes and the, the like because they, they have some pretty seedy tactics. Like there's been yeah. uh, numerous things where people went undercover as a, a grieving family and just watching how they upsell yeah. everything to get as much money out of you as possible. But when you also think about it, a cemetery is a profit making piece of land for them so like of course they're not going to be like yes you have this lot of land forever and right. we will yeah just you know do whatever it, it's- and logically i get it logically it completely makes sense yes the the upside is for the most part when they recycle a cemetery they're not doing like what poltergeist does where they dig up the bodies and relocate they them, them. Else. Yeah. they just leave them there and they pile new people on top oh so it's a layering oh so it's like a sedimentary like yeah <laughs> you're picturing like excavation in a thousand years yeah, no, it's like, just yeah, gonna like, be Legitimately, if you go to an older yeah. cemetery and you were to dig, you'd probably find like they won't be exactly <laughs> stacked on top of each other, kind yeah, of yeah. Deal, but they will reuse that plot. But rather than necessarily dig you up, they, they might move the dig site a little bit yeah. over. Because also over 100 years, the ground level condenses and where mm-hmm. you see that all the time where like what used to be topsoil like 100 years ago is like a foot under the ground now. Yeah. You could probably theoretically do 
do that. But if you just offset the location, you're less likely to run into that. And plus, I found out that like uh, our human bodies, they they decompose to a skeleton in a matter of 15 years. So in 100 years, it's less likely you're going to find a lot of you left. Now, what does, or you might not know, what does embalming do to the decomposition process? It slows it down considerably. It's also very harmful to the ground. Soil in a cemetery be contaminated due to all of those... You would think Chemicals? so, but when you look at cemeteries, they they look amazing. <laughs> they're better than my yard, but yeah, they, they yeah. they're very well maintained. And also, it being six feet down, that that kind of problem is that's the same reason why they bury people six feet down is because of the, the chemical and disease and everything else that can come up from somebody. I guess six feet down is kind of like the the demarcation point where that stuff shouldn't bother people above ground. I'm just picturing a whole bunch of mutant worms and bugs and things like that. Well, I think if we were going to have them, how long? Well, we've been embalming for a long, long time. Like modern embalming, I think, started happening in the 20 or no, probably 1800s, like Victorian era. Mummification is a different process. It is. So currently, current embalming, I feel like that's more like Victorian era because there's a bunch of like Frankenstein and, you know, like a bunch of horror movies and stuff like that based around that because that was also surrounding commonality of fear at the time so i feel like it's a penny dreadful time frame for when modern embalming (laughs) start to happen yeah yeah yeah. which actually do you have much more because that kind of leads quite nicely into mine oh we can pop back over to yours because the 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 main thing i focused on was not any of that it was uh, a footnote in the things that i was reading where i started going into that and i was like this is what my craft will be about so we can circle back to that later okay the tangent i went on was well if they were misdiagnosing people as being deceased what were the benchmarks how did they diagnose death are are we gonna talk about like locked in syndrome no oh okay. no. um oh i've got a tangent that's great but we're gonna put a pin in that too sorry uh, there was like so the the invention of the stethoscope was one of the really first tried and true ways of identifying death because all of the other benchmarks that we had prior were fallible and that's why people who were like in deep comas and stuff like that were buried because they didn't show signs of life, even Wasn't though they like had one signs of, the, of life. Because one of the genuine tests, I believe, because you see it quite often when they're like doing stupid movies, is someone dies, they pick up their arm. If the arm was limp, they're like, he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that, okay, that kind of is one. So they honestly didn't, throughout history, the only really for sure way of diagnosing death was rot. And oh, yeah, well, because I mean, it's but that's not really a good indicator either because there's diseases that cause rot, yeah. Um, but they the thing was when they started to do autopsies, they and whatnot, um, they wouldn't autopsy a body that had started to rot for like they would for medical purposes, but um, not for forensic type when they were starting to get into that. So when they were first starting to try and figure out cause of death and whatnot from autopsies, uh, they couldn't have any sort of level of putrefaction. Uh, there was a one um, person who of uh, John Hunter, I believe, swore it was impossible to investigate the cause of death with that putrefaction. Um, another individual said that eight or nine days after an individual was buried, uh, they had exhumed the body and declared that, you know, no information would be obtained. So that was when they had sort of started to 
try and and medical and forensics all started to get together to try and figure out a little bit more about death. Um, and it wasn't actually like cause of death wasn't actually written down or, 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 um, recorded in any of the medical journal, not journals. Cause it was, you know, old timey and you could be a doctor <laughs> if you just said so. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I dubbed the doctor. Um, so in about 1850, um, Guy's Principles of Forensic Medicine and Dean's Principles of Medical Medical Jurisprudence. Um, it was old written in old timey word, written in 1844, published in 1850, and that's when they start to actually go upon uh, low listing principal signs of death, and there were ten of them. So the first one was cessation of circulation, which was, you know, just defined by um, you're not taking your blood anymore. <laughs> well, no, no, that's taking your pulse. Okay. So by feeling the wrist of the heart, because they didn't have stethoscopes, so it was just like you know fingers on the neck, which you could Correct. totally miss. Yep, and um, today still. Yep. Uh, succession of respiration. So they would put a piece of glass or mirror or even a feather in front of the nose and mouth, um, and to see if it either you know moved or you could see any. Um, condensation or anything and again that was fallible because of really shallow breathing yes also was commonly used as a gag in the golden girls <laughs> there you go yes yes and comedy gag uh this one the faces of hippocrates it was not regarded as a reliable sign what on earth is that don't know um <laughs> i might go into it a bit later uh then number four was the state of the eye so loss of transparency of the cornea or collapse of the oh, eyeball so, yeah. itself. Um, but it wasn't considered reliable and it might not occur in all types of death. Well, also if someone's missing eyes or if or, they have, again, a ailment that causes yeah. something to happen to their eye. Uh, like I have perpetually dry eyes, so they might say I'm dead because my eyes aren't quite as round as everyone else's. Yeah. Um, state of the skin. So pallor, lividity, and loss of elasticity. elasticity. Um, and, but the first two might lose uh, its qualities while the person is actually still alive. The older you get, that also changes. Syphilis. Yeah. Um, insensibility and immobility. So, you know, not being able to move, but then you have things like locked-in syndrome. So that's not always the case. Extinction of muscular irritability. So like if your muscles don't react when you prick them with a pin and that sort of thing. Yes. Again, these are a lot of these things are still used commonly today by not doctors to, yep. to determine yep, yep. if someone's dead. Yes. Um, it's but like I, obvious things that people would just do to try to sort out if someone needs help. Yeah. Um, extinction of animal heat. Oh, okay. So warmth. So, warmth. <laughs> Yeah, Is the body yeah, warm? Yeah. Uh, however, bodies would cool at different rates. So the older you get, you would cool faster than the younger. And it also depends on the mode of death or location. If you're in a hot, humid area, that's not really a great indicator. Um, so again, totally dependent on other things. Number nine was rigidity. So... Um, 
you know, rigor mortis. That's the word I couldn't think of. However, that can also happen at different speeds and different uh, in different ways and present differently. So not a hugely useful thing in a lot of ways. And then finally, putrefaction, the only certain sign of death. Which again, syphilis. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're still moving. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, but, the, the, but putrefaction is a little bit different in that, like, you are, uh, it was recognized to be associated with the development of gases and cavities of the body, especially the abdomen, and forcing blood towards the head and neck, causing face to swell, eyes to become prominent, and the mouth and nostrils to discharge okay. mucus or bodily fluid is just gross. Okay, but now I'm thinking, Things. like, somebody has syphilis and halitosis. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. Um, over time, that did get, pair, uh, you know, um, it, it got refined a bit. Um, and they use less uh, flowery descriptors. Yes. Well, in some case, more flowery, like the eye loses its luster. Oh. Light no longer has any action on the pupil. Um, most of them are fairly similar. So rep- respiration and circulation, eye, uh, no stimulus, producing a reaction sorry i'm just thinking of like someone saying they've lost that sparkle in their eye it's like oh, oh he must be dead, be dead. you're out <laughs> um yeah so the, the they are basically the same sort of things but have just been tightened up a bit um and then they even go into like some more details like discoloration of abdominal coverings between 24 and 72 hours like uh it really and that's in the they, they've defined putrefaction a lot more yeah because um the original 10 is basically a person could have nine out of ten of those things checked yeah. and fail <laughs> which is kind of why i think there were people who were misdiagnosed at yeah, a so more that's a, a lot that you can pass on yeah yeah, and there really wasn't a great method until we had a bit more technology. So that's the um, route I went was identifying how or if someone is dead. On the upside nowadays, if uh, if you die, pretty much everybody get, gets embalmed, at least in Canada. So right. <laughs> if you weren't alive... If you were alive before the embalming, you definitely are dead after the embalming. But I have heard, and this could just be urban legends, of like people who have been on the embalmer's table and they cut to do the incision and the person starts to bleed. See, that's so still plausible because they haven't been embalmed yet. Yeah, and so that person is actually alive because you don't but have yeah, a, what, like, like Once you're pumped of all that poison, you will not live. Yeah, no, but what I'm sort of saying is the the mortician, when they cut into the person to actually start that process, they actively bleed. So that person is not dead. They have been misdiagnosed. Well, I have. did you look into those to see if any of those No, I just thought of that now. I kind of want to look into that now because they weren't buried alive. It was pre-burial. Oh, no, I want to look into that. Yeah, because I, I would get that once they're on the embalming table and they were cut open... Yes, yeah, it would but be I feel like cutting open. That, yeah, but I feel yeah. like as soon as the embalming fluid starts to go in, oh, like you're, yeah, you're no, done. game over, game over. That stuff's deadly. Yeah, it's um, basically lethal injection for the dead. Oh yeah, 
Oh, mm, yeah. Mm. Um, oh, another kitten caboodle there. Speaking of uh, of death penalty, see, I'm gonna oh. get my last. I'm gonna see. I'm gonna tangent into my tangent, if that's all right. I, I, we magically let ourselves there. I didn't even we know where did. we were going. <laughs> oh yeah. So in this article, I found on historic di- identifying factors of death, there was a a a, a a story of the trial of the ordeal of the buyer or ordeal of touch or ordeal of blood. And that was, man, can I just say old timey medicine and old timey law is terrifying. Oh yes. Cause it was so flippant what you could get on oh. trial and killed for. So in 1597, King James, the sixth of Scotland later, AKA known as King James, the first of England, um, endorsed the the uh, practice of identifying a murderer uh, by using the ordeal of the buyer or ordeal of the blood. The basic theory was that if a person was murdered and the murderer touched them, the body would react and like blood would ooze from their wound or something like that, identifying that person as the murderer. Okay. And people were actually like put to death based on that. Um, the last, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Terrifying because, you know, bodies ooze and that just happens, particularly when there's like, you know, an open area. And if the body moves, then fluids would leave out of that open wound. Perhaps. Um, but it was used for hundreds of years. Well, so 1597 was when it was recommended by King James. The last known case was in 1679. So, you know, a little under 200 years, but still a good chunk of time. And that was actually in Virginia. So it skipped the pond. Virginia? Oh, yeah. And uh, a child was found in a shallow grave and they had got 12 women to touch the body to see if it would bleed. Um, they didn't. And when uh, the, and then when um, Paul Carter, whose you know, house it was nearby, touched the body, he stepped forward and stroked the body of the child and immediately whilst he was stroking each child, the black and sotted places about the body of the child grew flesh and red so that blood was ready to come through the skin of your child. Ew. Yeah. Yeah. What a descriptor. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. So it's terrifying that that was actually used. That, oh. That's actually somewhat of a segue into mine because um Stick. the people that would be uh would die in mine um it's because they'd have a kid <laughs> well there you go there you go what what's yours so mine for some reason i made notes on like everything else but <laughs> the thing i was interested in awesome because <laughs> so basically i found from roman history vestal virgins okay and Vestal Virgins are basically the nuns of the Roman Empire. Okay. So, you know, there's another little tiny mm-hmm. from. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. So 
Vestal virgins, um, the reason why they're tied into the buried alive theme is because they literally were buried alive. It was a form of punishment for breaking their vows of chastity. Okay. And their vows of chastity were like quite literally um, their whole kit and caboodle. So basically, Vestal virgins, there was a goddess of the hearth, I believe it was, goddess of the hearth. Uh, And these Vestal virgins are picked from when they are anywhere from 9 to 12 years old to become one of these people of this order. Um, And there was never more than anywhere between four to six of them at any given time. And they would be raised in their temple. They basically lived a life of absolute awesomeness, honestly, other than if they broke their vow of chastity, which had some other parameters outside of, you know, having sex. Um, But for the most part, it was, yeah, if you were found to be pregnant and you had a baby, then you and your baby would get buried alive. But not exactly buried alive the way that we would be thinking of it because there were some really interesting (laughs) rules where you couldn't actually kill a Vestal virgin because that was considered really bad juju and like Vestal or Vesta or whatever that goddess's name is. She, uh, she would look unkindly on Rome and cause problems. So you couldn't, yeah. So you couldn't kill a Vestal virgin and you weren't allowed to bury anyone within, uh, within the city. Hmm. So a way to get around all that was they had this uh, field, which they called the evil field. Literally called oh. evil field. Evil field, love it, <laughs> yeah. love it. So, and it was within the city, but the way they got around um, them murdering these women for, you know, doing things, uh, was that they would take them to a chamber in the ground and leave them with food and water for several days. And then they obviously would run out of that and they would eventually starve to death slash die from being interned in the ground. Yeah. Thereby having a weird loophole to their weird logic that they didn't kill her. Um, they provided her sustenance to survive. It's not a limited amount of time. Yeah, but th- that was their loophole justification. So that would be how they would be killed uh so it was that was very weirdly interesting to me that like these people were buried alive and it was decently long time that this um sect of vest virgins existed and there's only a handful of them that were ever buried alive but there were some and there was some that were very very notable which i'm now very disappointed in myself for not making notes on these my my primary note that i made was i watched a video <laughs> on on how their hair was braided and how they did their adornments on their head because they they are made to look like brides or they have some characteristics of roman brides uh, but again that's why they were kind of like nuns because you know how nuns are like brides of god just kind yeah. of like a, a similar kind of thing where they they're done up like brides but they're virgins and they have these duties and the biggest duty was that they were never allowed to let the flame of the city go out because the flame okay. of Vestal meant that if the, it went out then you lose favor with this goddess and then your crops are poor and everything right. goes to complete shit right 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 so so yes the cool thing about these virgins were was that like i said they got picked out when they were younger to be part of this group of four to six depending on 
what era it was currently happening. It apparently started at two and went upwards to six. Um, And they did live absolutely in luxury. They all they had to do was uh, a small list of duties, which was inclusive of letting the flame stay alive. And if the flame went out, yes, they were buried alive. So like literally any dereliction of their duty was them being not chased anymore. Like everything was blamed on if this went out, clearly you were having sex. So you got to go die. Sweet. So (laughs) I'm I'm assuming like it's not a place where rain could be an issue. Like, no, it's indoors. And it was kind of an interesting thing because people would go to the temple and they would get fire from this uh, supposedly never to be snuffed out flame to take back to their home for personal purposes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, it doesn't sound very luxurious other than the fact that they, they had very high station. They got to go to parties. They got to do rituals. They, they had basically a lot of the same rights as men did at that time, which was pretty interesting. Um, and that really the only thing they had to do was their list of duties. Don't let the fire go out. Don't have sex. And the really fun thing about this that I found was like, it's not a forever gig. It's 30 years. So if you're picked up when nice. you're 12 years old, you like hit your 40s, you get to retire. They give you a buttload of money and they find you a rich husband to get married to. This was a sweet deal. So as long as you follow the rules, you were set up to the, the end of your days. All right, all right. So I kind of dug that because you don't really see that too much. Like we just covered nuns that like they gave their life in service like to the end of their life and they got nothing out of it. Yeah. Whereas these ladies, it's like, I could do 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> like I'd be, I, I could be a vestal virgin. I'd, I'd, well, not now. But <laughs> like, can, I, I, can I have a backup lighter? I feel like I need a hidden lighter. <laughs> Other than that. Uh, yeah, so um, because I looked up these ladies and I looked up the like the like history of that, and I again, I really wish I had actually written notes down on something that we were talking about, not like these multiple pages that are printed out that had nothing to do with anything we covered. <laughs> but I did find them fascinating that that seemed to be like the one and only punishment these ladies had is follow the rules or we are going to stick you in a little four by four room or however big these little rooms were uh, solo or with your baby. Cause there's several pictures depicting that they would be put down there with their baby. So here you go. Yeah. Food and water. Uh, we're not killing you. The ground is killing you. Yeah. But yeah. But yeah, so they, they, that was their whole thing. And then the history of them, I think they said about there's 10 records of women being buried alive. Okay. So it didn't happen very often. No, okay. Hmm. Fascinating. Yeah. And there's no full record of how many of these virgins there would have ended up being. But this practice went on for like a couple hundred years, maybe a little longer. So there probably was like, Anywhere from 40 to 80 of them. Hmm. Now, is was that? No, I'm thinking of something different. Never mind. Ignore me. <laughs> so, yeah, we started off with being buried, and I, I went, I went well, to virgins. <laughs> well, I knew I was bricked. Or like, yeah, that's a version, this is a version of being buried. I, you know, I didn't well, really do buried at all. I went with... How did they get buried? How do you make that mistake? Well, it's a, this is an interestingly broad topic where 
we could have gone anywhere. And when we were originally talking about the topic, we were talking about zombies. Yeah, we do, so yeah. I kind of thought at some point we'd like one of us would circle around zombies, but it was like, nah. no, 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 went totally different. Yeah, because there's also like the fun stuff that um, I've looked up before about being buried where it's like people are so afraid of being buried that they actually invented a coffin with a security system built into it where they would uh, loop something around your arm or your finger. So if you moved, a little bell would ring. Yep. Well, and the fellow that we talked about at the beginning of the episode who got buried alive in and my notes are gone because my computer had to restart um the fellow we were talking about at the beginning of the episode he actually invented a coffin that had like a little bit of a cooler for food and there was a chemical toilet and a radio and (laughs) well he's been through it i actually have that story here so i guess one of my printouts isn't completely useless Uh, so, in 1937, a 19-year-old from France named Angelo Hayes went for a motorcycle ride. He had minimal knowledge of how to operate said motorcycle, so he ended up crashing it and slamming headfirst into a brick wall. So, kudos to him. <laughs> uh, when help arrived, they found uh, Hayes's head was mangled and he had no pulse. He was so terrible to look at that his parents were kept from seeing him for their own good. He was later declared dead and buried three days later. Due to an investigation by an assurance company, his body ended up being exhumed two days after the funeral. And so it was quite a surprise to find his body was still warm. And after the incident, the reason given that he survived was because being in a coma, he he consumed much less oxygen than a live waking person or a person sleeping. Uh, and then, yes, after he was buried alive um, and received proper medical care, uh, he went on to make a miraculous full recovery and then invented the security coffin and toured around France with it. It yeah. had a small oven, <laughs> a small oven, a refrigerator and a hi-fi cassette player. Now, I saw a couple of different articles, one of them with that exact thing, a small oven, oven, small fridge, cassette player, where a different article that I read said a footlocker, radio transmitter and chemical toilet. I feel like that seems a lot more realistic. And what like, are they going to bury him with like a frozen pizza to cook in the summer? I know. He spent in 1984, he spent two days in his super fancy coffin and at 66 years old was when he, he buried himself to demonstrate it. Did he die and then get buried? No, no, no. no. This was just like, he turned around like this was his claim to fame. Okay, because that would have been really quite the irony that he survived being buried alive only to bury himself alive as a demonstration and die. No, No, he died. Oh, no. Um, What I found that I wanted to touch on was, so he was, as you had said, uh, exhumed because of a insurance investigation. A couple of days before his accident, his father made an insurance policy on him worth 200,000 francs, which, and I did the math today would have been worth by over five million dollars oh so i guess that definitely raised some questions (laughs) so there's some flags maybe the father gave him the motorcycle and said hey have fun but yeah hedging bets yeah well yeah it's like you want the motorcycle i guess i will get something out of it if you 
Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I, I like how you gave him the benefit of the doubt where I went the totally other way. Yeah, I know. You're like, straight up murder. Straight up murder. murder. No, no, no. <laughs> nice. All right. On that note. So I guess we did cover an actual. We did. Uh, well, we covered a legit buried alive, exhumed and survived. And yeah. then Vestal Virgins covers the uh, pseudo buried alive and kind of used as a punishment that definitely leads to death. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and then some miscellaneous bits. And then tangents. <laughs> yeah. So we kind of got there. We kind of got there. Um, <laughs> did you want to, while we're still on this, we can describe our pieces or did you want to wait and be in person? Let's, let's be in person. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. So it is recording i'm not supposed to look at you so um it's okay no it's all good all right well first explain your craft because i'm imagining you don't have it hidden anywhere i don't i don't okay so full disclosure i kind of shoehorned the theme to fit the craft if you will because i found this craft supply (laughs) that existed and so i tried to come up with a theme that we could so i could use it yeah, and, and no word of a lie, this is partially why I phoned in Minecraft, is because I didn't really know what to do with this. <laughs> Which is fine, so. Which is, yeah, I'm sure there's going to be many... I can't think of it. Okay, never scratch that. Um, so what I found was I ordered on Etsy from, I want to say, Thailand. You can get iridescent beetle shells. Oh, right, yes, because you did... I, I did that. told you because I was so ridiculously excited. So I got a bag of like 300 beetle shells, which are right, 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 right. gorgeous. And so I went back to my my high school roots of making jewelry. And now, so did that's I why not I, guess jewelry? I think you might have. All right, continuing on. You you had okay. bought beetle things and you made jewelry and I guessed jewelry. Yes. And you lied. <laughs> Well, because you well, I I was I think what happened was I said don't confirm in one way or the other because it would spoil it. Right. So if I guess it, don't tell me anyway. Okay. So it's more on me because I didn't want okay. it to be ruined. Fair enough. I 100 would have lied, but all right. So I am currently demoing. Chris can look now. Ta-da. Ooh, isn't that fun? Holy cow! So I made I actually made two pairs of earrings and I was wearing one earlier. This might be the best craft so far. <laughs> Ooh, fancy. So I well, it freaking looks fancy. I, it does. Uh, so I layered about three layers of these uh, iridescent beetle shells. Uh, so it kind of creates a V. It's a very dangly, very delicate, delicate. I need to work on it a bit more to maybe get them to stay in place a bit more. It took me a while to zhuzh it into place. The difficulties I had was, so I initially started, I have just a spool of chain and created the chain lengths to, um, to get the right shape. But the, 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 the beetle shells were kind of getting mixed up in each other and weren't lying flat so I had to create kind of like a grid to hold uh, made out of the chain to hold them in place it the, was a lot jingle of jangle noise that you're hearing is the actual yeah yeah so I did have to sort of create a little grid to hold everything in the right position I might need to do more structure like that oh these are crazy and add a bit more of um of the shells themselves it's fun once too. There we go. Yeah, I actually also because I'm a big old geek 
the only jump rings, so the metal rings used uh, to attach them, the only ones I had were like bright silver, so I made my own. Very. With some black wire that I had, so it wouldn't be as as um, now, these noticeable. these are so delicate. It's a good but thing you have 300 of them, because I, I bet you when you wear these, they, you'll probably crunch they a couple. are fairly strong. Are they? Like, they're deceptively... They feel... They okay. feel this delicate, is, but like when I push on This is a weird comparison, but these feel like acrylic nails. They would 100% be acrylic nails, yes. Yeah. And yeah. Like, they're they, even that shape. Yeah, like, you probably wouldn't want to use them that way, because you'd have to, like, take two for your thumb um, and like yeah, yeah. You'd cut have to them down them or something but yeah but yeah they do they look like a bunch of like really cool acrylic green nails they're beautiful and i made two pairs of earrings the one i made now my husband looked and was like those look like they're from the 80s but i don't trust These his ones? style yeah because they're big and my husband doesn't understand i wouldn't have thought girl things 80s no no i kind of like them like uh, i've I don't know exactly how to describe them. Definitely doesn't bring to my 80s, but, like, Coco Cabana would be also... Oh, to, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they definitely look like if you were wearing fruit on your head, they'd go they really match. well with that. Yes. But they also, like, the whole thing looks like it would go really well for, like, I'm going to the opera. Kind of, yes. And I even wore today my bug skirt. <laughs> I have a pink skirt with, like, bug print on it, and so I kind of went theme because... Awesome. If you can, why not? Yeah, and yeah, they are living up to being more sturdy than I expected. Yes. But they do. They feel like acrylic nails, so like they, they have that feeling where even though they are delicate, you can press on them and they kind of don't they, crack yeah. or anything. Well, well, if you think, I mean, they are the Beatles protection. Fair. So, so they, they need be. to have some sort of real resilience, but you also have to think because they're natural and yeah. that they like kind of maybe break down over time, but maybe not. Yeah. So I have a significant amount more. So I actually am like, I, I'm kind you of loving it. Make a dress. It. Make a dress. Oh Buy god. more. Make just a full dress. Oh my god. Well, I was thinking about making more necklaces and maybe like selling them. <laughs> no, these would be awesome. Yeah. I yes, sell these. These are amazing because they're lovely. It makes was me I going to pay you to make an Ursula necklace for me? I keep oh, bringing that up. <laughs> yes. Yes, you were. Yeah, and I keep forgetting about the fact that I've asked you for that a million times. Well, I'm going on vacation to my in-laws so I'll have time so you never know yeah maybe mm-hmm. you come back and then I'll be like how much do I owe you <laughs> all right I can't get away from you we've like no. really integrated ourselves into each other's <laughs> lives by accident it's like kind of yeah so it started off as co-workers yeah. and now we have a podcast and I'm chair of a board and I've recruited Chris to be on my board so it's all all of the things yeah just constant <laughs> It's fine because it's still all kind of crunched into the same eight-hour workday. Weirdly (laughs) enough, kind of, kind of like it's going to start bleeding over a little bit, but that's fine. It's fine. It's fine. So I love your craft. Mine is definitely going to be the lackluster of the two. So much so to the point where it's like, should I edit in reverse and put mine first? But no, it can. Uh, Now we'll just let it lie. It's not that big of a deal. So I'm going to show you the first part of this because it's not really so 
originally I told you like I got really really into those uh, Vestal Virgins yes so and then I was looking at all these wonderful drawings of them online because people have done a few pieces of them so I did an initial sketch which is this one where I was just trying to sketch out a Vestal Virgin and I was like this is really boring and not very interesting and then I'd have to color it and I don't want to do that Uh, so then I went for smaller by the way, I love. Okay, this I love thing. your sketch box purse thing. Yeah, that I think should be. Take, we should post a picture of that. Oh, I took a picture of this inside of it okay. because I love this thing. I just got it from uh, Ally Express. <laughs> okay, it's beautiful though. Yeah. Oh, well, I saw it. I was like, I need to have this. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Anyways, so what I did was I made a sketch that I thought sucked, and then I made another sketch where I'm like, well, it's supposed to be dark arts and crafts. So like, let's <gasps> let's draw her a few years later. <laughs> That's beautiful. So it's not anatomically correct at all because, well, I didn't reference anything. But basically, my first sketch is based uh, a Vestal version who got put into her little place and is looking very sad because she's now buried and is just waiting to die. And then I redrew her as a skeleton having died in the exact same position. That's lovely. So, yeah, so I, like, no anatomical whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, it's just kind of, and then if you look at the two, which I might do a side-by-side. Do side. a side-by-side, yeah, yeah, yeah. because yeah, it, it is roughly the same yeah. thing. That's beautiful. That's lovely. I like it. I like it. Yeah, so I, I liked this one better. It was little. This took me, like, a half hour or less to bang this out. Which... And, and I was like, that works for me because it's actually finished. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I could color it. I pay, I did it on uh, uh, watercolor paper because mm-hmm. I was thinking maybe I could color it, but then I was like, I'll probably just hate the result afterwards, so I'll just leave it alone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then because I knew I wasn't doing anatomically correct, I actually shortened her spine <laughs> on purpose, okay. and I like drew these little weird things down here to be like her spine collapse. Okay. So that's why it's so short. It was like, it's her spine collapsed, and now her ribs are sitting on top of her pelvic bone because ah, she's kind of... Just just falling apart. Yeah, so that was kind of like my whole plan. So she's a skeletal remains of her just sitting there. And I just found it kind of amusing because it's like she has her arm up in a pose like, ah, oh boy, I'm down here now, what? And then she just like stays that way till she dies. Oh. So there was a little bit of morbidity with that, but I thought it was funny. Because I was originally trying to think, can I make, like, a little comic strip out of this? But I'm like... Oh. Then I was like, I don't really have a lot of time. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I went for really quick and easy because my Cinderella thing was way too big of a project that is still not finished, but still planning to finish it. Okay. Because I'm not re- going on the shelf of uh, unfinished crafts. No, I refuse for that to be the case, but um, it is going to get finished. I have... A couple other things not related to dark arts and crafts I need to finish first. (laughs) And then I can get back to that thing. And then we'll post it on Instagram way later as a throwback Thursday to, hey, remember a few weeks ago? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or a few months ago, depending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, we'll have to, well, it it will go up. But the same thing happened with the Cinderella piece, too. It's not up yet either. So. So sorry, people who have listened to the Cinderella podcast and this one, because if you're listening to this one and it's not up yet, we're sorry. We suck. We're, yeah. We're, we're big on the crafts, not on the social yeah, the media so, yeah, we're, portion. We're, the social media is lacking, and also us actually telling people to go to our Instagram is lacking. Oh, yeah. 
oh yeah we got one of those ish yeah kind of <laughs> like the whole point of it is like hey we did a craft we've described it would you like to see it nah no, no, no. <laughs> highly overrated yeah highly overrated our descriptors are well enough I, I if I wasn't blatantly clear I drew a picture because I don't think I actually specifically <laughs> said that I just started saying so this, there's this thing here but yeah I drew okay. a picture of a living Vestal Virgin, and then I was like, this is boring, and redrew it as a skeletal Vestal Virgin. Did one. So which right. now means I've done two two crafts with a skeleton. Yeah. We have themes. I've done two necklaces. With a skeleton? Or no, just necklaces? No, the, the Lizzie yes. Borden one was a necklace. Which is the one that your Lizzie Borden is a skeleton. Yeah. So... Kind See, of. There you go, circling. Yeah, well, hopefully we're not circling the drain because the whole point is oh, like, like, yeah. to do a variety of things. Yeah, so. but they were very different. Like, so yours were different mediums. Yeah. And mine, I mean, the necklace part, it was more the embroidery and less the yes. jewelry function. I want to do a clay project again because oh, we, yeah. like, our first episode, I, I really enjoyed making mm. Audrey too. Yeah. And I'd like to. So. When we were still talking about this and I wasn't having my back thrown out and I didn't have COVID and all the other things that happened. It's been a few months. It, yeah, it has been. But like originally when we had talked about doing this, um, my idea that I had was I was going to make a shadow box. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I had this uh, con conceptual idea that obviously I'm not going to do now, but, you know, I can do that for other things. But I was trying to think of how I would do it where if I took uh, some foam core board and layered it, <laughs> and layered it and then when you like look down into it you would see at the very bottom like a body and then like have somehow make it so that like layers of what looked like dirt were kind of like overlapping oh it. My. so that was the idea I had and then I was like why am I doing something so ambitious again <laughs> like just just, just just stop yeah because it's already hard enough for me to just produce something. <laughs> just to do it. So, yeah, that, that's my plan. There's my art. Like I said, I, I drew something this time because drawing is quick and easy, and it doesn't have to be pretty. Quick and easy for you. That would take me forever. I'm, I, I'm I, so glad I've gotten well enough at drawing yeah. that I can say quick and easy because it used to be a trial. Like, I'd oh, get yeah. this far, and it would take me hours to get this far. And then I'd be sitting there going, I don't want to ink it because I'll ruin it. And then I wouldn't finish a piece. And now it's like, I can go further than that because yeah. I started doing that over the pandemic where I started drawing because I hadn't seriously drawn since high school. Yeah. See, and I never really seriously draw. I've been much more building 3D things. So I'm fine with the 3D. Not so much 2D with the 2D. is not my style. Well, and that works out great because I, I prefer 2D medium. There you go. Except for Palmer Clay. Yeah. Alright, so we're gonna stop this now because someone just walked in. Bye. 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 <laughs>